We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. That is a ride called Skyrush, and it's at Hershey Park a couple years ago. Me and my son went to visit my dad, and I said, man, we gotta, we gotta go to Hershey Park. You've never been on like a big roller coaster. And he was excited. So we stayed at a Holiday Inn in Hershey, PA. I woke up, had a few cups of coffee, um, and then I uh, had some Starbucks cold brew in my little cooler in the back of the rental car just to have some energy for later. But I had this plan, like we were gonna like get directly to the biggest, fastest, best ride so we didn't have to fight the lines and we wouldn't have to uh, go up against the crowds or anything like that. So, but as we're in the parking lot, I'm like, man, I should probably drink little more coffee before we go because if I do then I'll have energy all day and it'll be great and we'll just run around all day and it'll be perfect so I, I chugged this like 12 ounce cold brew after I've had a few cups of coffee and I'm like okay buddy we as soon as the the, the gates open we're running to this ride we're getting straight to the front of the line the funny thing is that there was actually not that many people at the park all day we could have walked to the line but I'm an impatient person at times. So I said, all right, so as soon as the gates open, we run, it's like a quarter mile. I have my cold brew, my heart rate's increasing steadily. We're at like 120, 130. By the time we get to the ride, it's probably like a solid 140. We, there's no line at all. From full sprinting after we get directly onto the ride. And so now I'm sitting here like, okay, checking my pulse, I'm freaking out. I'm having like a mini panic attack. And Caleb's like, this is great, I love this. I'm just like, we're gonna die, man, I'm sorry. So they do the dispatch thing, the countdown, and we start going, and I'm sitting there like, I'm not ready. I'm doing breathing exercises. And so it drops in, and I'm just like, ah, freaking out. So as we're going around turns and G-forces, I'm like losing, borderline passing out, because my heart's beating so fast, and I'm just sitting there like, I think I prayed like, God, don't let me die on this ride. And it was, an awesome roller coaster, but the, the combination of the cold brew and the excitement and the running and the heart rate were not a good combination. But we made it through the ride. But the thing is, is I got off. We walked through the gift shop on the way out. I didn't want to see my picture. I did not buy the t-shirt that said, I survived so-and-so of a ride. I'm just like, what happened? I don't feel good, man. I'm going to drink some water. We sat down. So basically for the rest of the day, Caleb went, rode roller coasters by himself. He's like, hi, dad, waving on the roller coaster. I'm just sitting there watching because I'm so sick. But I want to talk about what's the worst experience you've ever had on a ride? Uh, Pastor Josh, I love the story of his first date with Brooke because he said that he's not very good with rides. So he goes on like the teacups at a carnival and throws up on his first date and they still got married. It's like, that's amazing. That's amazing. So what's the worst experience you've ever had on a ride? Uh, so I did not purchase the t-shirt at Hershey Park, but I did get another t-shirt I want to show you guys. Hold on. Hold up. This is going to take a second. Uh-oh. Hold on. There we go. It says, I survived 2020, and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> and I know technically there's still a few days left in 2020. I'm assuming I'm going to make it. I'm assuming that we're going to survive. You did it. You made it. And my, what I want to say is 2020 has been a lot like a roller coaster, actually a lot like a really bad ride. Yeah. 
because in many ways, I don't know how they measured this, but apparently there's like a misery meter that somehow can be judged. And it was on like Bill O'Reilly. And he said, this is the most miserable year for America since 1929 during the economic collapse. I don't know how they measure that, but I'm like, that sounds legit. Like it sounds right. (laughs) This year has been horrible in so many ways. However, from heaven's perspective, I want to give you a different view of what God is doing in the midst of chaos and uncertainty. Title of my message today is I got the (laughs) t-shirt. I got the t-shirt. All right. So to start out, I'm going to talk about what we do with pain and difficulty. I want to put chaos and suffering and package them up and kind of show you heaven's perspective and God's perspective and some things that God is doing in your life right now, even if you don't know it. God has a purpose for your suffering, a plan for you in the midst of suffering and a path through suffering on your way to his kingdom. So point number one, God has a purpose for your pain. God has a purpose for pain. I want to throw in a disclaimer here. I don't want to assume that all pain and suffering and things that enter our life are directly from God. When Adam sinned in the garden, God said, there's going to be thorns. There's going to be things that you're going to have to deal with now because evil has corrupted the world. So not everything that happens in our life is directly from God, but as a result of the fallen world that we live in, a result of other people's sin, maybe a result of our choices as well. But God doesn't cause necessarily things to happen to us, but he will take those things and use them for good. Even failures in your own life, even areas where you say, man, I've derailed, I've left God's plan for my life, God's purposes, God's path. When you turn back and give that to God, God will take your own mistakes and use them for your good. That's how big God is. That's how big God is. God uses suffering and uncertainty to strengthen our faith, sanctify us, and build you up in the faith. God wants you to persevere through suffering and persevere through difficulty so that you will be strong and unmovable in the faith. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we fix our eyes. Amen. So heaven's perspective, perspective. I want God to give you a new, fresh perspective today. So much that we experience is within like our own little, little bubble, like our own little orb of whatever you want to call it. But our perspective can be very, very limited at times. And I don't pretend to know all that God is doing or know the mind of God. But what I do know is God is good and God loves us and God loves you. So we have to filter everything through the love that Jesus had for us on the cross. If he was willing to die for us on the cross, he's not just going to leave you without working good in your life without working good in your life. Romans 3, or Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I want to talk about some things in your life that you may think are meaningless. 
Like you go through experiences, you have a job that may have not ended uh, the way you should, maybe because of your choices, maybe because of someone else. You've had relationships sever and, and maybe even see, even like past ministry jobs that you've done. What about like a past ministry that you've been a part of? It didn't quite end the way that you thought it would end. But I wanna tell you something, the things that seem meaningless to you are extremely important and valuable to God and it's not wasted. I wanna tell you those experiences are not wasted because God is cultivating faith and hope and love within you to go be the person he's called you to be, to build you up and to strengthen you. So those things that maybe even we regret, God will take that and redeem that for good if we love him, if we're called according to his purpose. Point number two, God has a plan for you to get excited about, a plan for you to get excited about. The Wright brothers in North Carolina flew the first airplane. And the way they did that is they had to defeat a law called gravity. Gravity says that what goes up's coming down. But they figured out there was another law called the law of aerodynamics. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins to empower us to overcome this destructive, sinful nature of this world and all the things that would drag us down. So just like that airplane can defeat the law of gravity, we can defeat the law of sin and death because of joy, because of hope, because of faith. It doesn't matter if it's a year called 2020 where everything seems to go against you. We can still have joy in spite of all of the negative circumstances and the negative things that are coming at us. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. God's not asking you to do something in your own strength. He calls you something to do something that's completely out of your strength so he can be the one to supply that power and strength for you to do it. So when you have a dauntable future or a daunting future, a task that seems impossible, that's good news because that's where God comes in and meets you and equips you to do what you could never do by yourself. I want you to intentionally seek God's plan and purposes for your life in 2021. You can be sure that God has a plan for you, but it's something that we have to be involved in. We cannot be passive in this experience, kind of like bicycle riding. It's kind of weird and awkward, but you ain't getting anywhere if you're not pedaling. And it seems a little weird at first, right? But then you start cruising and go, oh, cool. When I have to step into what God's called me to do many times before God really empowers us. It takes that one or two steps of faith we will never get to where God wants us to be without taking steps of faith. Don't wait till you're ready to serve in church. Don't wait till you're ready to volunteer. Don't wait till you're ready or feel like it to read your Bible. Because it's in the midst of that process that God empowers us and changes us and uses us. So what's holding you back today? What's keeping you from God's purposes for your life? Is it fear? Is it that weakness that you have? that we all have. That weakness is the same thing that God will use in your life to empower you to be who he's called you to be. When we think about soil, it's mentioned throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. Luke 8, 15 says, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. End of the year is usually when people come up with their word for the year. 
My, my word for this year is continue. My word for this year is persevere. It's, it's not something that's very difficult to find either. It's not a, a task that you can't accomplish without an insane revelation, you know, like this crazy, amazing God experience. Just get in your word. Ask God what he wants you to do. Look where you're at right now. Look where you need to be and look what you need to do to get to that next level that God's called you to do, that God's called you to do. So I bought some really um, cheap trees on Craigslist for my yard because I called the garden centers and they wanted like $20,000 for a few trees. And I didn't want to have to get a reverse mortgage with Tom Selleck. And so I said, uh, I got Craigslist. I'm like, cool, 50 bucks a tree. I can do that. And I called him and he's like, yeah, it's 50 bucks a tree. But then it's like a hundred bucks to have him dig the tree up and plant it. And then he's got to take the dirt. He said, well, I said, I can't keep my own dirt. Like he's got, oh, I got to take your dirt back to my house and fill the hole that the tree came from. And I'm like, well, I guess that makes sense. But anyway, I got good dirt. I live near Creston. So that dirt is probably worth more than this other guy's dirt, but I let him have my dirt anyway. Anyway, my neighbor told me that I have to stake these trees down. I have to stake the trees down. It's where you tie a little rope to the top of the tree, stake it down in the ground, and it can kind of keep it from getting jacked up in the wind. One of them's a little crooked. I got used to it, but I Googled it. I Googled it, and I'm like, should I stake my trees down? And uh, what I found out is you can, but if you don't stake down the tree, that the roots are going to be way stronger and the roots go deeper into the soil because the tree has to kind of fight against the elements a little bit. So to, to, to survive, the tree has to dig its roots deep, deep into the soil so that the wind and the blizzards and all the crazy wind we get out there don't kill it. I'm going to tell you something. When we live in, in contrary to our weaknesses and we live contrary to our feelings, God produces a supernatural faith and a hope within us that allows us to be unshaken, no matter what happens in the world around us, whether it's COVID or economic collapse or businesses or whatever, God's consistent. God's the same forever. And if I'm rooted and grounded in him, I get to partake in that very nature where I'm stable, where I'm strong, where I can serve God no matter where I'm at. How could Paul go through shipwreck? How could Paul go through being bitten by a snake? That's disgusting. I hate snakes. How could Paul shipwreck beaten over and over repeatedly? And he's writing letters to people from prison. And he's like, I can't stop praying for you. He's still thinking about them. I'd be crying in prison. Like, why me, God? What has happened to me? I don't even do it. I want to go back to Montana and go snowboarding. This is terrible. Paul knew something. He had a secret. He said, I know the secret to being content. He said, I can be high. I can be low. The verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is about being able to like, maintain consistency no matter what the world throws at you. No matter what the world throws at you. Faith over feelings. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. David was convinced that goodness and mercy would follow him all the days of his life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's something that you internalize. That's something that you know, even when you're being chased by Saul and he's trying to kill you and you're sleeping in a cave floor, you don't have a my pillow. it's horrible. But he's like, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I trust God. I know my circumstances are telling me the opposite, but I know God's good and I know he's promised me a kingdom. Okay. 
regrets. I skipped this in my last one. Would you please put up that picture of the tattoo? Yeah. Do you have regrets in 2020? I feel like I should get this tattoo just because it's hilarious. Do you have, I want to tell you, if you have regrets, they can't be as bad as this person. No regrets. Come on. I was eating a Milky Way. All right. It's okay. Look, I want you to give your regrets to God because I know there's areas we've all come up short in 2020, but we are in a process. And again, if you give God your failures and all of your mess, let him redeem it and, and use it to propel you into the future that God has for you. Okay. Point number three, the path ahead. Path ahead. If you want God's will for your life in 2021, obey God where you are right now, in church, in home, in the world, in your personal life. God wants you to remain faithful and persevere through difficulty. God, God's will for you is to continue. God's will for you is to never give up. Doesn't mean we don't rest. God made coffee, which helps us as well. So that's a good thing. But I want you to be cautious about expectations. I want you to we have an idea that things are going to work out this, this exact way, you know? I got called into ministry like four and a half years ago. And the path looked like the total opposite was happening. It was strange. And, and it forced me to really take God at his word. It forced me to believe and keep moving forward, even though everything seemed like the opposite was happening. But over time... After small steps and small victories, it was like one step forward, two step back, a couple steps here, a couple steps there. David took me to coffee, Lance took me to Chick-fil-A, and then I, and I'm here. This is great. It was awesome. I didn't even know what was happening. I'm like, this is great. Free food, too. Yes. Yes. The words of Jesus are truth and life. So we need heaven's perspective to influence everything we do. You have an accuser, you have an enemy that's going to try to beat you down to tell you you're not good enough, to tell you you've made too many mistakes, you've messed up too much, you're not good enough, right? But God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make junk. God loves you, God has a purpose for your life, and the only thing holding you back from that is yourself. Because God's already said what he desires. God's already given his heart and said, look, the kingdom's wide open, but... He's got invitations. Most people just don't want to come. So if you want to go, go. And God has a purpose and a plan to send you into 2021. Don't be discouraged by naysayers. Fulfill your calling. Your calling is to continue. Hebrews 10.36 says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. There's a principle all throughout Scripture. I call it the perseverance principle, but it's also, you call it the wilderness principle. You can even call it the Joseph principle. But you see it in Joseph's life, in David's life. Uh, you see it, Moses, Abraham, everybody. And basically the perseverance principle is this. Obedience plus perseverance divided by difficulty equals promise fulfilled. And what I mean by that is this. I actually don't know what that means as far, like, but it looks cool. So <laughs> perseverance. God made a promise to Abraham and then made it intentionally difficult for that promise to come to fruition. God told Abraham, I'll make you the father of many nations and then made him wait forever 
And he's like, my wife's too old. All these crazy things are happening. But look, he kept on going. He kept on going. Because the thing is, it's not necessarily about the fulfillment of the promise at the end of it. It's about what God's doing in the midst of that promise. It's about you persevering and enduring and God building character within your life. Joseph is the best example of this. Joseph has a dream. He comes out to his brothers in his Gucci coat. He's like, hey, check me out, y'all. Y'all are going to serve me one day. I don't think he was a Southern woman, by the way. I'm not sure. Southern. He said... He said, I had a dream and this really cool, <laughs> I had a dream and these, and these like, the wheat was bowing down to me and you guys had this wheat and basically you're all going to serve me one day. Isn't that amazing? And they're like, you are going to die today because we're not serving you, punk. And so he basically gets thrown into a pit. They're going to kill him. Then they just decide him to sell him to slaves because that's better than killing your brother. And then he ends up in Egypt. He ends up in jail. And it's crazy. And, and I looked this up. So Joseph has this amazing dream, this amazing God moment day. And then in between that dream and the time he became the second most powerful man in Egypt were 4,725 normal days. 4,725 painful days. Joseph maintained his character throughout all of that. But I want you to, I want you to think about this. Promise terrible season of difficulty, 4,725 days later, promise fulfilled. So what could God, why didn't God just send him straight to the top of Egypt? Why didn't God give him the dream and then he's good to go? He's ready to rule the world. Second most powerful person in the world, vice president. The 4,725 days were just as much of a God day as the dream as the fulfillment of the promise. Because Joseph, look, look, the journey is the destination. Hope, faith, and love are an end to themselves. It's not, what's this, where's this going to get me? It's about being supercharged with the faith and hope and love that God gives us because it changes the very nature of who we are. It, it, it turns us and, and, and transforms us into the image of Jesus so that we can impact the world around us. I want to talk to you about false hope too. I've heard that term false hope thrown around a little bit. In Christianity, there's no such thing as false hope. We always have hope because of the character of God, promises of God, and the purposes of God. We have the hope of eternity. We have the love of God. Hope is the goal. Faith is the goal. Love is the goal. It's not necessarily the end result of all these things. 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I want to talk about hope a little bit. Hope produces a supernatural energy in you resulting from the belief or expectation and the promises and goodness of God. God gives us hope and power to persevere through difficulty. In other words, faith is like this. Faith is like the action. Faith is like the vehicle. Faith is the Dodge Charger and, and hope is the 500 horsepower Hemi behind it, pushing it along. I used to have a Hemi, man. It was so cool. Can I get one? I can't get one. That's okay. They wouldn't do too good in the snow and stuff, I guess. 
Remember when Paul goes through all the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 13, and he goes through all the gifts. He's like, yeah, desire the gifts. And then he, and then he pauses and stops towards the end, and he says, now these th- three things remain. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And I'm always like, okay, that's a cool, that's a good idea. It sounds nice. I mean, we all love faith, hope, and love. I have Christmas ornaments that say all those things on it. But what does it mean? What does it do for me? How do I actually achieve that as a Christian? 1 Thessalonians 1.3 gives us a clue where Paul says, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith and hope and love give us the ability to be who God's called us. They, they give us the ability to be overcomers. And the definition of an overcomer is someone who does not let the external world influence the internal world that God is doing inside of them. They don't let the chaos of out there affect what's going on in here because our soul is preserved. We, 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 th- that's an overcomer right? We're not spotted up. We're not ruined. And yeah, we're going to get nicks. We're going to get bumps and bruises, but we keep on going because God is doing something greater within us because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. We can always have hope. And again, a lot of these things will never, ever, ever come to fruition if we don't go through those wilderness seasons, if we don't go through the difficulty. 2020 was seriously, yeah, I think it was the worst year I can remember at all being alive. (laughs) And that's okay. Like so much good happened. And I know God has done so much. And there's things that God has done in you that you don't even know he's done yet. Things that are waiting to come out. God's not going to send you into battle unprepared. God's stirring up within you that warrior spirit. Jesus came as a lamb, but he's coming back as a lion. A lot of people think God's like cuddly and stuff. And I'm just thinking like, look, God is compassionate and he is loving, but God's a warrior. I feel like we need to get back to that as the church. You know, like a little fight in us. It's like, like I will totally cut your leg off, but I'll hug you afterwards. Like that's what I'm going to do. I love you. I don't think that's what he means, but I'll get back to you on that one. I can't believe I just said that. Okay. My, my word for the year this year is continue, continue. Okay. Allow God to cultivate faith and hope and love within you because it changes who you are. Jesus is not a stranger to our suffering. It's not like God is off in his throne and he's like, oh, look at them down there suffering. It'll be good for them. You know, it's good for Jesus came down and identified with our suffering. The Bible says that we don't have a high priest who can't be touched by our weaknesses. He was tempted in all ways like we were, yet without sin. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace so we can receive grace and help in time of need. Because God suffered with us. He can identify. It's not just sympathy with Jesus. It's not like, I'm sorry you're going through that, but it's empathy. It's, I know what you're going through. The same weakness that you've experienced, the same temptations, Jesus went through that as well. So when you tell him how rough your day was, he's like, I get it. And you can do that. And that's how loving and kind God is. He's big, majesty, throne of heaven, but still loving and compassionate enough to care about what happened in your day. When you come to the end of yourself, you realize that God is all you got, then you realize he's all you need. 
So sometimes we have to get to this position down here to really get a good perspective of what God's doing. We need to be reminded. I want to show you a video. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite videos on the internet, but uh, it's pretty cool. Check it out. training for, for warfare. We need a heavenly perspective when we're going through difficulties. When it seems like getting hammered on, back in the fire, hammered on again, 
back in the fire. And each time you're in and out of the fire, shape changes a little bit. Scripture, Paul says that, that we're living sacrifices. The crazy thing about that is that we have a choice to stay on the altar or bail. And I've bailed a lot, a lot. It's painful to stay on that altar and allow God to continue working and hammering it away and sharpening and chiseling. But it's a choice. But once you start experiencing that in your life, once you start seeing what God can do, if you take little steps of faith, like you, you want more. Because you're like, man, like I remember how hard it was when I went through recovery to, to say my first, I'm sorry. Because there was like so much woundedness. There was so much pride. There was so much, you know, you did me wrong. Why am I apologizing to you type stuff? But I remember the freedom that came from just saying sorry. Like, I'm sorry. It was crazy. I, I actually called someone on the phone to chew them out and like force them to apologize to me, which always works well, you know? And I found myself like crying, apologizing to this person, like, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And now I like look for opportunities to say, I'm sorry. Cause I know what God does with that. Pride doesn't hold me back. Fear doesn't hold me back. The anger doesn't hold me back. I'm not perfect, but I'm way beyond where I was. And I want to continue. I want to continue to see what God's going to do for me. Remember, God wants you to be a work of art, but he also wants you to be a weapon. Beautiful and deadly, kind of like my wife before morning coffee. <laughs> yeah, she could probably beat me in a fight, so I should watch what I'm talking about right now. I want God to increase his spirit within you, increase your capacity to love, increase your capacity to, for faith and, and hope so that you can move on into 2021 and just overcome, just overcome. What's God doing in the boring things of your life? What's God doing in that monotonous thing that you do that you say you hate and you've been doing it forever, but... It's just this boring thing and you want an exciting life like that other person out there. But I want to tell you something. God is with you just as much in that moment that, that he is with me right now on the stage. God loves the, the little things, the mundane things, the boring things, this little town called Nazareth. Just a little carpenter tinkering away. God does big things in the little, in the mundane, in the, in the painful, in the everyday experiences. Hebrews 12, 12 through 13 says, therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Job suffered more than anyone in, in, in the whole Bible outside of Jesus. And he gets through this entire painful experience of the why and why, 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 why. What's wrong? He's searching, is there secret sin in my life? Why is this happening? And in Job 42, 5, he says to God, finally, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. It's perspective change. That wouldn't have happened without 40 chapters of total chaos. I want to pray for you before we close out today. So would you... Uh, close your eyes and bow your heads. Father, I thank you for this group of people, God, these group of world changers that can go out and impact 2021 with an offensive mindset for the kingdom, God, that you would fill them with your spirit. You would 
Give them strength. Give them hope and encouragement. Help them to see your hand in everything. The painful, the meaningless, the disappointments, failure, imperfection. God, thank you for accepting us in Christ. Thank you for accepting us. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for your many blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, would you all stand up and sing, please? Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Be blessed and have a great week.